The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi guys and welcome to the first Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast for 2016. Once again we're coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. I'm your host Macca19 and joining us for this off-season special is uh, Fishing Rick. How are you, mate? Mate, how you going? He's back. I feel like it's been so long. And I reckon for those who were missing my chair, it's back. I'm not in the pool. Great. Well, at least you got your clothes on, I hope. Well, that's debatable. I can tell you, I'll send you a picture later. Oh, please don't. Big fella. Please don't. You've sent me them before and they're very scary, so... And also joining us as co-host on the podcast is Portia. Hello. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'm gutted, David Bowie. That's terrible news. It it's is the worst news, news of the week, really, as bad as all it this is. AFL stuff is. It's, uh, it's not good. Not good at no. all. And also Lady Gaga winning a Oscar was uh, pretty interesting as well. Yeah, how did that Oscar? Oh, not Golden Globe. Globe. How did yeah, that happen? I know. I didn't even know she was acting. So, I, I enjoyed the Facebook post today where it was a photo of Justin Bieber going, bad news, he's still alive. <laughs> no, I did see that. pretty harsh. It's very yeah. harsh. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with the Biebs? I mean, he's the tool, but, you know, that's not enough reason to want someone to die, surely. The surely. world needs a few tools. Yeah, I guess. I mean, well, I think it's just does. inevitable. It does. There's plenty of those at Essendon, apparently. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Great segue, guys. I guess uh, it would have been nicer to do an off-season special in happier circumstances, I guess. But before we get into the reason behind this podcast, I've got to say a big Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you both. How was your holidays? Uh, I haven't had one yet. I'm having it in a couple of weeks' time. There you go. Nice. I had a week off and then I'm back into it. But the holidays was good. Enjoyed the pool and went away for a bit and... Refreshed and recharged and ready for a massive uh, 2016. That's it. Good Christmas? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> no. You've got, you've got the family, Macca, I reckon, to have a good Christmas because your yeah. kids are young. It creates yeah. enthusiasm. When your yeah. kids are 18 plus, um, yeah, the enthusiasm is just not there anymore. They don't really care. They just want a present and then hang out with their friends. So, no, you're uh, spot on. Yeah. No, my, my family's never been pro-Christmas. Um, we used to joke, um, well, not that long ago now, that we were the carbon offset house for all the Christmas lights everywhere else. <laughs> That's it. Oh, I like it. Uh, you're right, my, uh, my eldest is at the age now where he gets really into Christmas, so uh, it was great to see the kids um, have such a great time. Me, I had gastro halfway through Christmas and ended up yakking my guts up for about 12 hours. So, nice work. So it was a, a very Merry Christmas for me indeed. I experienced that in 2009, and my my lovely wife actually vomited that much that she threw her back out and had to go to hospital. It was <laughs> it, it, it was a it was a great Christmas, and you know it was it was one of those parties where you're at the party, you know you weren't really enthusiastic about being there anyway, and you half you know you start eating all the food, and then one of the people across from the table will go, oh by the way I've got gastro, and then someone else goes, yeah. <laughs> And then I'm like, well, what the hell are we doing here? And I said, Mel, walk away from the nuts. But by then it was, was too late, and we all went down with a bullet very fast. Wow. You can do it, put your back into it, eh? 
<laughs> well, if you're going to do it, you do it right. Exactly. Right? That's it. Might as well go to town. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the circumstances behind today. The Court of Arbitration for Sport released their report and announced their findings this morning, banning the Essendon 34 until November 2016, which includes 12 current Essendon players, one Western Bulldog, a Melbourne a St Kilda player, and of course our own two Port Adelaide players in Angus Monfries and Paddy Ryder. Uh, the, the CAS overruled the verdict from the AFL Anti-Doping Tribunal after WADA uh, appealed the not guilty verdict last year. Uh, this obviously has major repercussions across the AFL, but let's obviously look at our own club first. Uh, Paddy and Gus out for the year. Let's not beat around the bush. This is a massive blow to the club. Yeah, I think that Gus we could cover. Um, like I'm not. I don't think anyone would be overly concerned. And that's not to say he's not a good player, but it's just that we have players in our depth that can potentially cover that. But Ryder out is just a huge loss. He's a clear number one ruckman. Um, and we have not got a lot of depth in that position on the list, not as pure Ruckman anyway. Uh, and so we're really going to be relying on a guy that was playing SANFL for a big chunk of last year as our number one Ruckman this year. So uh, it's a huge on-field hit. Uh, obviously, even at this time of year, it's a huge on-field hit because Ken Hinckley and his guys have had the whole Christmas New Year's period where they've been planning out their strategies for the coming year, and now that's all completely pointless. Um, mm. So that's, that's a double hit, really, uh, in that respect, on-field. Um, and it's hard to see, hard to see what we'll do to compensate at this point. Yeah. Well, hopefully they had some contingencies in place in terms of tactics and structure. Because uh, look, I mean, everyone knew that this might have been coming. Um, I don't think many people really expected it to be a twelve-month penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot maybe thought there'd be some sort of backdating and maybe time served and. You know, it might end up being sort of three or four rounds or something like that, but I'm not sure many people really expected a full season. No, I don't think so. I, um, but I, what's interesting is uh, through through the restriction of them playing, it creates opportunities for others, doesn't it? And uh, I wonder if uh, big Billy Frampton, that Ford's a big fan of, and I've heard from uh, some sources close to the club that he's going great guns, that he might get an opportunity in the ruck this year. Uh, look, he might. Um, we've certainly had, obviously, back in the 2000s with uh, Primus being injured and Brendan, Brendan Laid breaking his leg twice, I think it was. Um, we've had opportunities for young Ruckman to come in before and make a mark and everything we've heard about Frampton's been good. So he could come in and he could be quite serviceable. Um, I think that it might main infield impact might be that we don't... Uh, that we, we approach stoppages differently. So last year we were seeing Ryder really win some clear tap don't, uh, clear taps going our way, so really hit it down the throat of our players, and maybe we just can't expect that now. So we have to be uh, planning to shark more than be the aggressor. So, and if we're doing that, then we can fit in Frampton potentially as a ruck. I would think. Yeah, a lot of people write off Frampton and saying, "Well, he's only in his second year; he's only 19 years old. We can't expect him to sort of do anything at AFL level." But I mean, there's plenty of examples of young ruckmen um, making a name for themselves mm. at AFL level um, and even going deep into finals. I mean, I look at, at Brisbane in 2002, Jamie Sh- uh, Charman, who I think was in his second year and only 19 years old, led their ruck for pretty much the whole season. Uh, and he played in a premiership the year after that as well. So there are examples of, of clubs winning premierships if their main ruckmen do go down um, and they have to rely on uh, their second stringers. Yeah, um, I think Jamie Charman's a bit of a special exception though, because that midfield had four Branley medalists in it. So um, that's that's a bit of a bit of a jump from where we would currently rate ourselves, I think. But 
Baylor. Yeah, but we got Johnny Butcher in our well. team, so you know Johnny Butcher. <laughs> Johnny Butcher, Jason Ackermanis, I'd pretty much pick Butcher, I reckon. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> if it was to get along with his teammates, then definitely you pick John Butcher. Absolutely. Go the Butch. We had to bring up Butcher at some point, so The yeah. Butch. Hope he's in for a big year end. this year. I hope so. Well this this also opens up um, the opportunity for Butcher to maybe get some more game time because certainly looking at it on face value with Ryder, Dixon, Schultz, Westhoff, um, it was going to be pretty hard to see where Butcher was going to get a game unless we had some massive sort of injury issue. But um, now it might look it might open the door for Johnny to uh, to come in and, and play some decent footy again. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that it's linked to the ruck spot though. I think it's probably just linked to how well Jay Schultz goes for the most part. Um, so I haven't heard anything about his preseason, how he's doing or, or what's going on there. But I mean, if he he's on a one-year contract, which means we probably think he's not got a lot left in him. And if that's the case, then there's plenty of opportunity for Butcher to come in and make his mark for sure. And with Dixon still on the side as well. Or the, yeah. is it just going to sort of um, facilitate our running game plan? Because um, we'll probably just go with Shields, Dixon and Westhoff as our, our first three. And with Lobe as the standalone ruck. Uh, which is sort of the 2014 model that worked so well. Yeah, I think that if, you, if you're rucking to, to Lobby and potentially Frampton, then you, I wouldn't expect that we would necessarily decisively win a lot of clearances. So that means we'll probably need to have a lot of numbers around the ball and we'll need to really work on how we clear from clearances. Um, and the midfield's coming along really nicely. Uh, Ollie Wines is looking like a beast. Um, we've got uh, Brendan Archie, who's apparently still progressing well. Um, we lined up some real good uh, midfield depth last year, so that's probably going to play into that, I think, more than anything, rather than the, the running from halfback style. I think that we have a potential to be sort of just sharking the taps and clearing through traffic and then hopefully getting on the, on the front of a, a leading key forward. So it'll probably be looking a lot more like the old... Um, the old power from 2002, 3, 4, where a lot of our play just came straight out the middle rather than relying on a halfback repelling, hopefully. Yeah. Mm. Well, look, let's go through the AFL's press conference today. Um, Essendon are allowed to upgrade their five rookies um, as well as uh, being allowed to recruit 10 new players to the club. Uh, it's really the other clubs that have got the shit sandwich in this situation as we can only upgrade rookies to replace the players that we've lost. So we get to go into a hopeful premiership year two players short in our squad, uh, which is pretty pathetic. Um, not only that, but Essen will receive no new penalties for this guilty verdict. Now, given the AFL made it pretty specifically clear in their original findings that the penalties were for poor governance and not for doping, I think this is, again, a pretty pathetic decision by the AFL. I think it's weak, it's gutless, it lacks conviction, uh, and it's pretty much a kick in the teeth to the other clubs in the AFL. And what would you have wanted... I would be expecting more draft penalties. I think um, I don't believe Essendon should be getting pick one if they happen to feel, uh, finish last. I think that's uh, going to just be a terrible situation. Uh, they shouldn't be rewarded with getting the best player in the draft because they chose to run a, a legal doping structure at their club. But haven't um, they already been penalised for that crime? They got penalised for poor governance. Mm. Poor record keeping, not for doping. So they should really be penalised for doping as well. They should be getting another fine. They should be getting draft 
um, sanctions for this as well. That's just my opinion. But should I think they it's be pretty... allowed to remain in the competition? I ask that not to create controversy, but as a legitimate, have they disrespected the competition that much that really, regardless of their history, that that you should be questioned? Uh... I think they've got to stay in. You can't kick a team out of the competition. Um, you can't? No, it would be a disaster. For TV rights, it would be a disaster for... Like, what do you do? Like, well, you the can't TV, have a buy. There's a new TV rights coming up, so maybe uh, Fitzroy could come back, as an example. <laughs> yeah, well, look, the, the the practicalities of expelling a from the competition are very hard because then what do you do when the next club does the same thing? Because we know it's going to happen again. Like, you know, Carlton, for example, like, they'll eat up that vomit and have a go themselves and uh, hope that they won't get penalised. Um, but paying, paying people a bribe, which is ridiculously yeah. bad, is still not as bad as using uh, human people as uh, biological experiments in some sort of uh, yeah, drug, well, drug game to see how far you can go. I mean, I, I know, but I think that's going to be the result um, result in civil action um, on the basis of breach of work health safety. Uh, and I would suspect that would be coming through via the AFLPA. So they're going to get penalised, but I don't think all the penalty is going to come from the AFL. Um, well, if you were going to, if you were going to put some penalties on Essen that won't cripple them, but that will limit them, I think I don't think I'd actually ditch, uh, punish them with draft picks, or uh, I think I'd probably do something like restrict them so that they're not allowed to bid on restricted free agents or unrestricted free agents that haven't been delisted. Um, yeah. Well, could I they be sued to the point where they are insolvent? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think they, they certainly happen. could. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so but, well, then I think the AFL will step in and give them some handouts. Yeah, oh, basically. You're, you're, and you guys are happy with that? No, not really, but it's member Not really, club. but what other option is there? I mean, it so happened with Carlton. They, they gave Carlton they, huge penalties. They gave Carlton huge, huge penalties for their draft, um, their rigging of the draft or whatever it was that they did back in so, uh, the early so 2000s. If, and they ended up having to bail Carlton out in the end. What if, so yeah. what if they're sued 100 million bucks? You know, what is well, it? 30... That would be unrealistic. Well, well is it? 32, 32 players, uh, loss of income for 50 years of their life because if something adverse was to happen, stress and suffering, you know, the, depending on their pay scale, even even 50 million, you'd think if they sued 50 million, which is a million and a half per player, and it was upheld, that would almost be, that surely that'd be enough to make them insolvent. And then, then what? Are we going to all be happy if the. AFL pays them out $40 million to keep them in the competition? I don't think the AFL would do that. I think if we are going to be looking at penalty or uh, fines or whatever lawsuits that are going to go into that sort of high into the millions, then I think they're in a lot of trouble. But if it's going to be sort of two, three, four, five million dollars $5 then I think the AFL will step in and provide that sort of handout. But if it's heading towards the $40, $50, $60, 70000000 million mark, well, see you later. Well, you'd think each player, one minimum $1 million for loss of wage plus pain and suffering and, and future risk to their, their body. I'm no lawyer, but... Well, they're still going to get paid. The players are still going to get paid, aren't they? Well, that segues uh, right debatable. But can, I, can I just add something, um, yeah. first of all? Which is that I think that the AFL won't let any... Uh, as hardly any of this get to the stage of being a legal action. I think they'll be trying to settle with almost every player that might have a dispute... Um, and I think, that'll be, I think that'll be a joint effort from Essendon and the AFL because obviously the AFL will ultimately be liable if Essendon goes under. 
If you're a, if you're a representative, legal representative of a player, would you accept that though? Or I, I don't know if I would. I'd be saying I think you should be taking it to court to get as much as you could because you might not even you might not even be able to play again. But it so, depends on the circumstances of the player. So, for example, that player's still got to live for the next three, four years while Essendon and the AFL fight them in the courts. Maybe they'll take the money now and take what they can get and move on because they don't want to have a long, horrible, drawn-out battle that they may possibly not win, particularly given how well-connected the AFL is. I mean, the AFL couldn't beat WADA, but they can sure as hell beat any other Australian in the courts just by sheer weight of money and process. Mm. I just think as a poor tack that the AFL was taking in this, um, in terms of they've gone from really sort of having a big go at Essendon over this a couple of years ago to now sort of, oh, poor Essendon, we've got to make sure that they're okay and, you know, they're a really big club and we've got to make sure that their supporters are happy and, you know, basically they're in damage control mode, the AFL now, because they're worried that maybe Essendon might go under, maybe their supporters will fly off the handle, maybe they'll lose, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 members or something and they'll be in a lot of trouble. Um but I, I just don't understand how the AFL can take that sort of tack in this situation. Because they've made the AFL look like... They've made a complete mockery of the AFL, in my opinion. Yeah, they have. Um, I guess if we have to imagine if this was, say, North Melbourne that had done the same thing, or, I don't know, Fremantle, how strongly would the AFL stick by them? I suppose Fremantle they would because they're doing all right. But... Oh, if this was the Western Bulldogs they'd be yeah. in a world of trouble. <laughs> no doubt about that. If it wasn't one of the, the the AFL's, you know, sort of two or three glamour clubs, then, yeah, they, they'd be in a lot of hurt, I think. Yeah. So if we direct it to the two poor players, how's... Um, we're really disadvantaged more so over Montfreys than Paddy Ryder from a from signing a contract and getting them into the club, really. Not from an ability, I rate Ryder yeah. a lot more, but uh, I think, Macca, you've got some insight onto this that you wanted to share. Well, absolutely. I mean, we knew going into the Ryder trade that this was a possibility. We knew there was a chance he'd be suspended. That was all out in the open. Uh, but the Monfries trade stings a bit for me. I had a flick through the report today, um, and one thing that really stood out was point thirty two. Uh, which said that by September 2012, Essendon self-reported its concerns over the supplement program being used by its players to the AFL and ASADA. Now, most news reports had reported that Essendon had self-reported in February 2013. Um, now, to some, the response to that statement will be, well, who cares, what's the difference? But September 2012 to February 2013 is the difference between Essendon and the AFL knowing that ASADA was circling whilst we were trying to attract Gus to the Port Adelaide Footy Club or not. Uh, so Essendon and the AFL fully knew that this could go down whilst we were trying to trade for Gus. Koshy's come out tonight and said that we didn't know about it, so we'll be seeking compensation for it, which is great. I think this is exactly what we want from the club. Um, this, this is a, an incredibly deceitful action by both Essendon and especially the AFL, who should have flagged the trade at the time to ensure that we were given full disclosure that something like this might be happening, that Asada was circling um, a player that we were trying to attract to the club. The fact that the AFL in 2012, the same off-season, put a stop to the Tippett to Sydney trade because Jesse White in the first round wasn't uh, considered a commercially viable trade, yet they greenlight us trading for Gus without us knowing that there was a possibility that he would miss a season, two seasons, you know, a huge amount of time. I think it's a disgrace. Mm. Yeah, uh, look, I think there are two areas for dispute. Um, One is that one that you've mentioned already about uh, Angus Monfries. 
which is absolutely, we clearly had no idea that he had this hanging over his head. And I think it's an area that the AFL very clearly need to clean up because it's not the first time we've had, um, oh, who was it that Hawks traded that had depression to North Melbourne? Jonathan Hay? Jonathan Hay. A, yeah, a long history of depression. We had just this year, Jake Carlisle already in a, a uh, trouble on the eve of being traded with the Saints and Essendon didn't say anything to St Kilda. Um, there needs to be some really... Uh, real improvements in standards of disclosure between clubs when it comes to trading. And obviously this is another circumstance where there's uh, been a team let down very clearly by the clubs not disclosing everything that should be put on the table. Um, it's it's pretty dodgy. Um, there is some possibility, like the depression case, there is some idea that uh, there maybe perhaps there should be uh, some privacy given to the players in these conditions. But in that case, there should be a place for trading with conditional trades as there is in the NFL. So, for example, if you trade for a player, maybe you have to pay a first-round pick, but if they only play two games for the season, you get a second-round pick back the next year if they don't perform, if they don't play for whatever reason. Um, and But in this case, yeah, it's just a, an absolute travesty of communication and there's legal grounds. But I think the second area is absolutely the wider investigation has come up with a result. And I think, personally, I think it's pretty fair um, for players to be suspended for this long. Um, but the real imposition on Paul Adelaide was not laid down by WADA. Uh, it's the AFL's decision on how they will handle the list management aspects of it. Um, mm. So what's happening is basically the entire salary cap for this year that was allocated to Patrick Ryder and Angus Monfries we don't get to use it for anything else. It's locked up with them for no apparent reason. It certainly wasn't mandated by Asada or Wada. Um, it's the AFL just deciding arbitrarily to punish Port Adelaide when we could actually be putting that money towards a new contract for Ollie Wines to pay up all our other players because the reality is that the salary cap exists to balance teams and if we can't pay uh, and play both Ryder and Monfries this year for something that was completely not our concern or cause and we don't even get to communicate or train with them really during that time uh, then we're being horribly punished for something completely out of our control and that's something that I think needs to be addressed very strongly so there's multiple causes for Port Adelaide to be complaining to the AFL and to Essendon and then of course there's also the financial implications as well Well said So what, if we go back to Garth, what do you think would be fair compensation for us? What what should we be able to do this year in, to replace Angus Mumphreys? I think Essendon should have to pay his salary for the year. And I think that that amount of money should be opened up in our salary cap for the season yep. as well. I, agree. I, like, I like Porsche's suggestion on the forum about being able to use the, the million bucks, if it's a million bucks, between the two players and allocate it to another player like Ollie Wines and, and forward, his, uh, forward pay his contract. I thought that was a good suggestion, Portia. Yeah, well, I mean, it's really the obvious thing that we should be allowed to do in this circumstance. Basically, what I think should be happening in relation to the salary cap is that any top-up players you pay for, they come out of the salary cap. So if you don't want to take them, you don't have to. But if you do, then they come out of the salary cap. But similarly, suspended players don't come in the salary cap. And you can spend the money in that salary cap. This is the extra thing. You should be able to spend that money in the salary cap on any unsuspended players. So it could apply to Essendon too, and it's going to sound awful. But the reality is they're losing 12 players. They should have a bit of cap room to pay for top-up players and maybe sign the players that are already there, just not the ones that are already suspended. Um, and that, I think, if you present it like that, the AFL will probably jump on board because it's actually a bit nicer to Essendon than they probably deserve uh, in that it would enable them to, to at least lock down their current undrug using players for a longer term contract potentially and, and stop the 
or limit the absolute uh, exodus that we can probably expect to see at the end of the year. Yeah. So where does this leave our premiership chances? We left last season pretty confident that 2016 could be our year uh, where we give the premiership a red hot shot. Uh, Do we still have that confidence? I think so. I, uh, I think, not to be disrespectful to Angus, I think he's replaceable. And I think with the uh, recruitment of uh, Charlie Dixon, uh, I, I think we still have uh, enough tall man coverage to to go the season. Obviously, if injuries uh, occur, that could change things completely. I think it's going to come down to how well we adapt to changing our game plan with no rider and also just sheer luck of the draw. Like if Lobby goes down then we would have Billy Franklin as our number one pure ruck at that point. And we don't know what's going to happen from there. It's just a huge chance. But if Lobby plays all season, and let's face it, he's a pretty fit guy, um, he should be able to. Um, if he plays all season, then, yeah, we, we should still be right up there, assuming we compensate for the fact that we probably can't expect the same number of you know, clear, direct clearance winning taps uh, yep. as we might with Ryder. But if we compensate for that, we play a little bit more defensively, and have smarter work in traffic, then we can, and Bobby's fit, we're fine. But if he's not fit, then we've got real problems. Yeah. For me, it essentially leaves us in a status quo position from last season. You know, after the big recruit in Dixon, we, we also landed Tumpus. I thought we'd really improved our first team in depth and, and given ourselves a couple of, of great options with regards to what we can do with our toll timber. Um, and now it leaves our contingent on the knife's edge, as we've mentioned. And we're essentially back to square one. Now, square one's not a bad place to be because we've got a great squad. We've got a great fixture. Uh, we should still be able to finish high um, up the ladder if we're good enough. Um, but that they are two very handy players that we'll be without. Um, and whilst we can cover Monfries, and I agree, we've, we've got a lot of options there. It would be great to see Jakey Need sort of cement his spot in the side or maybe Carl Amon um, raise his game another level. There's also Tumpus, there's Aaron Young. Uh, yeah, there's Palmer. a couple of other options as well. Palmer, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gus is a big game player. He's played great footy in finals. He's played great in showdowns against good opposition. He, he always um, he always comes to play. And I think that's that might be a side of, of this which we're maybe overlooking a little bit. And whilst we think that Gus might not be a big loss, maybe he will be in, in those sort of pressure situations. I think that's a fair comment, but I'll, I also think our list, even with this happening, our list is probably still better suited to premiership rigours than it was last year because we do have Dixon and we're not relying on Schultz playing a whole year. Um, that That's that's a huge difference. I would much rather, if we had to choose between losing a uh, number one key forward and losing a number one key ruck, I'd lose the ruck every time. Yeah. Mm. And we still have Johnny Butcher. Butcher! We do have Johnny Butcher. Hey, here's a random question. If he was to kick 40 goals in this season, what would the atmosphere be like at the ground? I think if he kicks the first goal of the year, then we'll be happy for the rest of the year. (laughs) Well, he did that this year. He did that last season. Yeah, I know, but this year it'd be extra meaningful. True, true. If he kicks 40 goals for the season, it's just going to be party central. Yeah, pretty much. There's going to be mosh pits in the stands, basically. (laughs) What about the uh, game day village? It would be anarchy in there. Does that still exist? There'll there'll be circle pits. There's going to be crowd surfers. It's going to be great. 
Well, I guess, you know, look, we've succeeded through this sort of adversity before. We won the flag in 2004 when we missed Primus, our number one ruck, Franco, our number one midfielder, our number two midfielder walked out in the off-season that year. We still won the flag. In 88, our captain, Russell Johnson, missed all the finals and we still won the flag. You know, there's a, a heap of examples of teams losing key players and still getting success. So I'm not too concerned at this point in time. I think it's a shame that we're going to lose two very, very good footballers for our club for 12 months. Mm. Um, I think the rest of our squad is still in a, a good position to make a, a decent crack at a premiership. There is one other question, which is, do you think they'll come back? I think, I think yes. Well, definitely Ryder will. Uh, Monfries, I think, will offer him a one-year deal at the end of this year. Yeah. I was just thinking uh, on the basis that maybe the AFL don't want to give us those concessions they actually really should. There is precedent for um, the sacking of Favola and Lovett, which is obviously two circumstances out of club's control, slightly less than ours was, where they um, delisted Favola, but they're allowed to spread his cap amount over two years. Uh, and yep. maybe we can arrange something like that with Monfries, where he'll effectively over the next two years get, say, whatever he was owed this year and a base wage, mm. and then he plays next year. And that'd give us some cap relief this year that we could do stuff with at least. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. It, it really depends on their contract structure yeah, as well. I it mean, does. Both Ryder and Monfries might be on high. They may be on high um, uh, money per game sort of situations, especially Monfries. He might be in that sort of situation where he gets, yeah. he might get five grand a game or something. So that immediately opens up, you know, well, in his fourth year, he might, yeah. grand. So um, I guess it really depends. And I guess only the, uh, the people at the club would know that. I guess well, the next true. question I've got is uh, how do we feel about Essendon and uh, good old Jimmy Hurd right about now? Boo. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> this oh, is I'm a not... family-friendly podcast, so I'm not going to say what I really think. But... Oh, Boo. Uh, I think I'm really kind of happy how this has ruined James Hurd's reputation, and it has, let's face it. It'll annoy me if Channel 7 pick him up as a special comments commentator in five years' time, but they will. Um, I think. Well, if you, can, that... if you can glass your wife in the face and get away with it, or partner, I'm yeah. sure you can do anything and get back on yeah. Channel 7. But, but Essendon, I mean, I think that there's, regardless of anything else, the way they've dealt with trading away their players that have been under all this suspicion, uh, and as we discussed, all the, all the, um, the lies they've told along the way, um, I think that's quite disreputable, um, really, and I think that every club in the league should be kind of pissed off at them, particularly some of the things that Koshy apparently said shortly before we started this podcast about how every club told Essendon to take a deal and they didn't want to do it and how we told Ryder and Monfries to take a deal and Essendon were saying, nah, don't take a deal, don't take a deal, and now we're paying the price. So, mm. Mm. Well, any respect I had for the Essendon Football Club, which was uh, pretty minimal, to start with, anyway, is uh, is long, long gone, and you know what? I think James Hurd should probably be in jail by the end of this year. To be honest, it's, do you think it was a deliberate ploy to stretch it out as long as possible so they could churn their list to avoid complete disaster of all the bulk of their list being suspended? Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no definitely. doubt about that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, it's just, from their part, it's a smart strategy, really, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, look, they've done what they've had to do. And, you know, maybe maybe from the AFL's point of view, because Herd's no longer there because Little's no longer there, 
the, the president or the CEO, he also left. Dank's not there. Uh, all, the, all the people that were involved in this aren't there anymore. So maybe that's why the AFL are backing Essendon so heavily tonight. Because all the people that were involved with this aren't really there. They get a clean slate and can start again. But that's what I think. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think we've had a single satisfying mere culpa moment that whole time from anyone in Essendon, realistically. Um, not until they've absolutely been forced to say something. It's, it's kind of disgusting. And I'll tell you what, if we lose to Essendon this year... Oh, oh we will. I we will don't know not. how I will recover from that. We'll totally <laughs> lose to them. We will not. We absolutely will. We'll lose that first game to them in round three or whenever it is. Why? Because they're going to be out to prove a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're going to be... Uh, what are they going to be doing? Uh, rating West Adelaide's under-18s to play us and we're going to lose to that? Yeah, well, okay. I don't know. Like, There's two lines of thought. Like, One is that, yeah, the Essendon players that are still there, they'll still want to do well. But then again, John Worsfold as coach, I mean, he's the king of tanking and then premiershipping. So maybe I'm overthinking how well they're going to play. Because Westfold does like a tank. That's the one thing we do know about him for sure. I must admit, I'm with Macker. I don't think they deserve the number one draft pick at the end of this year. Um, I uh, yeah, They should be at the end of the gravy train, I reckon. I think they desperately need it, um, not because of the player quality, but just because it gives the fans something to obsess about like it does with every other shit club. Mm. Yeah, but Essendon got one year of penalties, is that right? One year of draft penalties? Yeah. Carlton got two, so what's the difference? Why why is Genius. this a lesser penalty? Why is this a lesser penalty than what Carlton got? Why is Carlton's worse than systematic doping of players? Um, I think that the answer to that is what happened to Carlton afterwards, which is that they've been complete rubbish ever since. It was a really big hit at exactly the wrong time for them because they had an ageing list at that point and they were they'd already been delaying their refreshing of the list, uh, and then to lose those draft picks at exactly the wrong time. I mean, that, that's crippled them. They're still recovering from it. Uh, and in that time they've been recovering, they've had all sorts of problems. Like you said, they've had to be bailed out. And they're still, even now, what are they? A terrible, terrible team that no one wants to watch. Uh, and even, the the Crows having... lost, even the Crows lost two years of draft picks for what they did, which was significantly less than what this is. Yeah. Like, it's, but... it's staggering that they're not going to get any other penalties for this. The Crows volunteered their draft picks, if I remember correctly, or at least some of them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I think that as time goes by, the idea of draft penalties is sort of showing to not be good. Um, I would rather see other... Personally, I would rather see other forms of penalty. Like I said, excluding them from being able to bid on free agents, uh, which won't directly affect them, and also potentially uh, limiting their salary cap for a few years. Because, again, if they're rebuilding, they don't need a full salary cap anyway and they shouldn't be poaching players from other clubs uh, after something like that. And I think that's enough. They still get the youth to keep a bit of positivity around the club, but it also means that they can't just go around and mess, around, mess with the other club like they already have and say, oh, we're going to pay $600,000 a year for, I don't know, a player and screw up everyone else's salary cap. It'll, it'll limit them enough. I think that would be enough of a thing to do. Well, look, we can't leave the podcast on a sour note. So I thought what we might do is have a quick chat about the four announcements uh, that the club made over Christmas. Mm. Uh, so the first two were Travis Boak and Robbie Gray extending their contracts by an extra year, uh, staying with the club till the end of 2019. And you would think it comes with a bit of a rearrangement of the financials of their contract as well. Um, I guess it seemed a little strange at the time of the announcements, but 
if this has allowed us to change the year-to-year financials of their contracts, possibly backloading their contracts to allow more room for newer contract renewals, uh, then it's a very good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it probably just spaces them out over a longer period of time rather than backloading them. So if you had an extra year and then you that last year you pay not much for, then it allows you to free up a bit of space every other year. So I don't know if it's backloaded, but just that the last year we're getting cheap. Um, and yeah, they're good. They're good to get. You know, it's nice to have those, particularly from Travis Spoke. It's just nice to get that confirmation he's going to be around until, like Stephen Trigger, amount of time he'll be here forever. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's a good thing. I don't know that it was really announcement worthy, but I mean, you got to announce it, I guess. Yeah, I reckon it was good dedication by the players, and I'm sure that they've uh, rejigged their contracts to assist in helping uh, get Ollie Wines to sign on the dotted line throughout the season. Uh, the next big news, and arguably the biggest, was that Port will be nominating to have a women's team in the National Women's AFL competition, and with that, Erin uh, Phillips, the daughter of the great uh, legend Greg Phillips, will be leading the charge. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, I've got a lot of thoughts on this, but you want to keep it short, so I won't say all of them, but I think, I think it's a great idea. I think the AFL is uniquely placed in the world to make a women's league work. Um, for a bunch of reasons. Number one, they control the code. So you can try and make a women's league in soccer or whatever else, but if you've got them in multiple countries and your players can get recruited elsewhere and that sort of dilutes it. So you might have a working women's competition in one country and then not in others. In Australia, we've only got one country. We've only got one major league and we'll only have one women's league. So basically you'll see the best players of Australian football in that league um, and that helps enormously, certainly in terms of promoting it as well. Um, linking it to existing AFL clubs, people love watching football, you know. People go and watch SANFL, they watch SANFL or they used to watch SANFL reserves, you know. Uh, it's all about the conflict and giving another Port Adelaide team to Barrack 4 I think is nothing but a good thing. Uh, and we've seen the AFL have actually been fairly willing to commit to this as a serious prospect. And uh, we've, well, certainly I'm watching Melbourne Football Club and I suppose the Western Bulldogs as well, they've been pretty serious about promoting women's team as fairly equal to the men's AFL team, which is a big deal, which is an absolutely huge deal. Uh, and so I'd be really excited about it. And, of course, Aaron Phillips coming back. I mean, that's just the star recruit, isn't it? That's the um, – uh, you can't imagine a bigger women's football recruit than uh, Aaron Phillips coming back to play for Port Adelaide. And you'd hope that it'd help us get a nomination over the line for when the Women's League starts in 2017. Um, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. It's a bloody good player too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. That's it. I think it's good for women in AFL football and uh, I think it's it'll be like the WBBL. It's going to be a, a long, slow progress, but if we don't do anything, well, nothing's ever going to happen, is there? So uh, let's get on board and, you know, if Port Adelaide's lucky enough to be one of the clubs, it'd, it'd be great for Erin who's followed it throughout her life and wants to follow in her dad's footsteps and I think we would be able to field uh, a pretty good side. So fingers crossed. I'm all for a women's AFL team. I think this is one of the most exciting developments in Australian rules football for a long, long time. And I'm all for having another team called Port Adelaide to support in a footy competition. How the National League will be set up is going to be pretty interesting, whether or not we actually get a a team in the first place. Um, But also, how long is the season going to be? Are we going to play out of Alberton? Are there going to be curtain raises at Adelaide Oval? I mean, there's a lot of possibilities and I think it's going to be great and hopefully the Port Adelaide community get behind it. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're sort of planning a way to introduce the, the league, I mean, I, I, what I would like to see personally would be probably curtain raises for most games uh, and then maybe one game per week of the league you might have on a Thursday night as a thing on Fox Footy. And that's that's your headline game every week, sort of the equivalent of Friday Night Football, but it's a Thursday night match between two of the teams and that Hi. rotates week to week. I think that'll work pretty well. Be a good warm-up for the weekend. Yep. You could still probably... Um... I guess if it's under the AFL format, it probably won't work. But I was thinking if it's if we had like an early Sunday game, so yeah. it might be difficult to have a women's game. I guess they could prelude or at Alberton or something with a Magpies game, but it's a different league, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, no, not going to that. Yeah, so it probably wouldn't work. But uh, I'm sure we'd make it work and flexible. And I'm pretty sure even if they had a standalone game at Alberton in their own right that they would uh, still attract a, a few thousand die-hard Port fans there. Yeah. Don't Do you know. reckon? Nah, I don't think Alberton's a huge draw card for something like this. I think I think if you're going to do it and you're genuinely trying to get fans, you've got to play it at the proper ovals that the AFL teams play at. Yeah, but if it was standalone, it probably wouldn't be viable, would it, really? Standalone, because, it might not. Depends. Yeah. Like if you have, okay, let's say as an example, let's say we've got a standard week of football and we've got a Saturday game where Port are playing away and a Sunday game where the Crows are playing at home, wouldn't it be nice to have a Friday night game to go to at Adelaide Oval? Mm. Yeah? You'd consider mm. walking down from the SCBD to go see that, wouldn't you? No, well, I don't work in the CBD, so probably yeah. not, no. Well, oh, okay. Well, th well yeah. yeah, but that's the same thing as Alberton. I mean, there's more people near the CBD than there are near Alberton that would go, I would have thought. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of diehard poor fans that live around Alberton, obviously, so I would imagine that you'd probably uh, you'd pick up a few of those, but you could be right. I guess that we're only going to find out by trialling, aren't we? And yeah. trial and error, see what works, yep. what doesn't. So, And that's what I mean. If mm. The longer we wait, the, the longer it's going to take for the women to evolve into a professional league, so um, yeah, let's get it, let's get it going, and let's uh, let's get the power into a women's side before the Crows. Wouldn't that be lovely? Uh, I don't care about that, but I want Port to get the first premiership. That's the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> just, it wouldn't be just comedy gold if we could get in before the Crows could, and they're having a big sookie la la. That'd be very well. There's, an, there's another there's another debate. Would a would it be stronger for um, the Port Adelaide Football Club in the serious question to field a women's side over the over the Crows. I mean, the Crows have a lot of uh, SANFL followers still and so they're sort of quasi-supporters of the Crows or vice versa, they're sort of quasi-supporters of the SANFL. Will they, will they have that raw, passionate following of a, a women's AFL side that potentially uh, Port Adelaide could with, the, with our club-based following? Um, I think I so. Think I think it really depends on how the AFL is selling it. I think they're trying to sell it as these are real clubs. And if you're trying to sell something as this is a real club, then you've got to go for Port Adelaide over the Crows every time, logically. Um, you know, I, I think that from that perspective, like if you're talking about having... I think the main thing is conveying the respect with which the women's game is being treated. And I think that you show that by being traditional uh, and making sure all the big names have got a piece and that they're right up there and then the others will fall in line. And I think the Adelaide Crows are the others and I think Port are one of the traditional clubs that really should be represented in this sort of competition. Mackers well, we've got, a, we've got a question from uh, Jimmy Beercans on Big Footy. Will we list mm. four ruck women in the women's team? <laughs> uh, it really depends. Like, uh, the height differential is probably not going to be as great. 
So you're probably more likely to get ruck forwards, I guess, uh, and uh, players that can play multiple positions. Because, you know, someone like the difference between someone like Sandilands and a regular AFL ruckman is like 10 centimetres. With the women's league, it's never going to be that much. Um, so you're probably going to get a lot more part timers, I'd imagine. Could we replay that with a, very, with a very straight back, Porsche? I like it. Can we get Lauren Jackson? Lauren! <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Isn't she from Canberra? Yeah, but she's tall. Yeah, but she played yeah, for GWS then, wouldn't she? Mm. Moving on. And uh, let's talk about the fourth and final announcement, which was uh, the great news that Chad Wingard has extended his contract for another three years, uh, taking him to, to the for? end of 2019. He was off to the Hawks, <laughs> Macca. I know. I thought he was off to the Hawks, and then he was off to the Crows, and you know he was never going to play for Port again. But bang, three more years. Jeez, what a surprise! I'm uh, shocked. No, nah, it's good. Um, it's good because it's sort of. I think it's a personality thing from Chad. In that when you watch him play, like he's pretty hard-headed, uh, and I reckon there's a few players at Port uh, that think they've got unfinished business at this point. Uh, obviously, the older ones definitely do after, like, anyone that was still around in 2007, like, they know they've still got to prove themselves a bit. Um, but the young guys, I think, they really just want to have a, go out and have a really good crack. Uh, and so the next three years, Chad Wingard is absolutely fantastic for our club. He's a gun. Uh, hopefully he never leaves. Um, I imagine he's the sort of guy that'll only leave after we've had very clear premiership success, if he does. So, yeah, let's get premierships, at least. Yeah, that's it. Well, the, the other one is... Um... The non-announcement of Ollie Wine's signing is that a concern for us, or are you guys comfortable where it's at? I'm Not a concern at this point. No, I look. I think that he, it's a pretty fair point in that I think everyone is expecting Ollie Wine's to come out this year and be even better than the last two years. And if you back yourself in, which clearly Ollie does, and that's great because it means he's got good confidence and it means he knows he's working hard enough to get the return. Um, then why wouldn't you back yourself in in his position? He'll get a even if he does his knee and goes out for the year, he'll get another contract next year. Like, he's that's guaranteed, right? You know, there's not... Yeah. I don't think there's an injury short of, you know, quadriplegia that would have him out at the side um, permanently. So he's, he's, he's in a position, a strong position to take that sort of chance and then get paid on what his actual performance is. And the reality is, if he has the year that we think he's going to, which is going to be potentially All-Australian, I would hope, um, and particularly if we're having to space around lobby rather than uh, rider, we'll need a, a, a much more fierce, contested midfield, centre square midfield to actually win clearances, then he's in a great position to really up his price going into next contract. So, yeah, good on him. Uh, I imagine probably we'll have an idea how that's going mid-season and they might start talking then. Mm. Yep. Macca? I agree, 100%. When? It's, it's so not when, a concern for me at this point. Uh, when will I think he's doing concern? the right thing for himself. Well, if he's not signed up by maybe August, then I might be a little bit concerned. Yeah. When, uh, okay. When do you think the media is going to start sparking up with all the bullshit rumours like Barrett puts out there? Uh, oh, March? Probably, probably in about a week, I would say. <laughs> I reckon yeah. as soon as he has a facial expression that can be turned into a photograph in the Herald Sun that looks like he's not happy with what's going on. Mm. So round two. So when we and lose a game and he's walking off the ground, mm. head in hands, yeah, uh, yeah, debating his life at Alberton, that'll that'll be the headline. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or he's shouting another player. In the end, it was like, only that he got like fifteen touches and he should have got thirty or something. Yeah. So. so if we have a poor season, do you think we might be at risk of losing him? No, I don't no. think that matters at all. 
No. I, I don't think it's got anything to do with it. I think it's going to come down to money, which may not sound great for maybe Ollie, I guess. But um, I think it might come down to money. I think he's going to wait and see what he can get. I think other clubs are going to offer massive, massive contracts to him. Um, and he's going to see um, what he can get and whether Port can match. And if Port can go close, then he's going to stay. Mm. I think he would... I don't think money is as big a factor. I mean, I think it's a big factor, and if there's a huge blowout out of the water bid, then he might have a look at it. But I think mostly it's just going to come down to personality and how he's traded. So as long as we kick Ken on and he doesn't have a complete personality flip and our midfield coach doesn't piss him off or whatever else and the players aren't all dicks or anything like that, then I think he'll hang around if the money's even vaguely near what he's being offered elsewhere. And if he feels we're real close to a premiership, he'll probably stay even if it's kind of shit. What's his uh, what's his next contract worth? Million bucks a year? Is he that good? I, I think someone know. will offer that. I think someone will offer that. Um, I don't think we can afford that. I think we might be able to afford maybe seven hundred. If Chad's on six hundred, hypothetically speaking, um, would that be destabilising to try and keep Ollie and and offer him eight hundred? I think I we. I don't think it matters. I think we have a unique position in that we can see what he's actually worth before we commit. So if you're Richmond, because we know they're going to bid, or any other Victorian club saying, hey, Ollie, we're going to give you a million dollars, they're going to have to start saying that now. Like, they're going to have to start saying that right now because if they're not starting that conversation now, then they're going to miss out. Um, Whereas we can sort of get a track of where he's going, we can discuss it with him and say, hey, look, you know, you're doing pretty well. We're willing to offer you blah, 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 but we know your best years are ahead of you. And alternately, if he does perform really well, say, yeah, we'll pay a million a year because you are that important to us. So that's a huge advantage for us to be able to do that where other clubs have to come out with the big numbers. We've done the big numbers before. That's, you know, why monfrey has got 500 grand a year. Um, not necessarily based on the tail end of the season, but because we started talking early. So it's highly likely that there will be overbids from clubs, um, but how real they are is questionable. Um, well, I can't remember. There was... a one this year, this trading period where there was apparently a huge bid for a player by someone and the money wasn't actually there. Who was it? What player was it? I forget. Mm. Anyway, yeah. So there'll be mischievous bids at the very least. Yeah. And can I just say, fantastic podcast planning, Macca, that we do a quick 20-minute podcast tonight. (laughs) (laughs) As always, it's worked out well, hasn't it? Yeah. I'm sorry. Thanks, guys, for joining uh, in this impromptu podcast. Um, Would have been nicer talking under better circumstances, but I think we had a bit of fun anyway. Look, Mm. I'm still super bloody excited to see what we can do, and if anything, this should really make us more focused to come out and kick ass. We'll be fine. Don't Uh, panic. Have faith in Butcher and Dixon is what I say. Absolutely. Big Dick's going to have a great year. He is. Did you see that photo that was on Bigfooty where he was standing next to Ellie Paddy Carline and made him look like he was Jared Im- uh, Jarman Impey? It was yeah. <laughs> insane how big he is, that guy. Wow. He's, he's he is going to have a massive year. And look, to be honest, big call by Rick here. I actually think he's more important to us than Paddy Ryder. So uh, yep, I, 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 if we lost Dixon and Ryder, that would be massive. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that would be a huge blow for us. So hopefully Dixon doesn't get injured and he's only rested by our choice but outside of that i think yeah you know 
like I said earlier, drafting Dixon, I reckon he's going to be the man. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he stays fit if he kicks at least 60 goals for us this year if we're delivering like we should do. Yeah. I have hopes he's going to be our Barry Hall at the Swans. Hmm. That would be good. Oh, just quickly, why are the Crow supporters all arcing up today? Like, Are they premiership favourites now or something? Nah. Let them have their fun. Honestly, if the shoe was on the other foot, we'd be doing the same thing. So. Oh, so they're laughing at us because we lost lost two players. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So yeah. they're, they're savouring someone else's misery. Is that what you're saying? Indeed. Yeah, we, we lost two players for a year. I mean, we're clearly yeah. not doing it right. We should be doing it like them and losing players to other clubs forever, like Dangerfield. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so quickly Bang. before we go. I know I'm just stretching this out now. Um, you are, Rick. Who are we going to elevate from the rookie list? Well, uh, Cracker and uh, Mitchell. Really? Oh, I don't. I you elevate don't Cracker we'll... and I leave it open still. I don't know. I have keep leave two senior spots until we actually need one of them because I reckon Snelling might be ahead of Mitchell by the end of the year. Well, I wonder if this means we have three spots open. Well, it does yep. mean we have three spots open. So We do right now. Yeah. The question is if we can keep them open. Well, we should we, be able to keep two We're open. going in one player short this year anyway, so we yeah. were always going to uh, leave a spot open for Cracker if he had a good enough pre-season. Yep. Um, maybe we can get Snelling to uh, sit on Mitchell's shoulders and then they'd almost be Ruckman height. <laughs> uh, be fair, be fair. Maybe Snelling's secretly related to Trent Orman Ellen. He can ruck. <laughs> or, so if we pull two rookies up straight away for the season, mm. can we bring in two new rookies? No. Well, that's Not the big debate no. at the moment. Not currently at the moment. Well, that's yeah. ridiculous. I, I think that's going to be subject to debate by Chris Davies because I think that that statement from the Commission on how they're going to lay out the penalties against Port Adelaide, which is realistically what they are, um, I think that is very challengeable because it's not based in anything other than, oh, yeah, that sounds right, and it's certainly disadvantageous to us and every other club that traded for an Essendon player. Well, we're not guilty of anything. So no, we're not. We, no. we shouldn't be punished at all. That's right. And in fact, again, going back to Koshy's interview this afternoon, I mean, it sounds like we did absolutely everything we should do or every step of the way. You know, we didn't have any give any bad advice. We said, hey, Essendon, take a deal. And so at every stage, we've said everything we've said supported the fact that we should not have to suffer this punishment to the degree that we do. So even losing the player, that's going to suck regardless of what compensation we get. But the fact that there's all these cap penalties as well. And recruitment penalties. I mean, that's just that's just too much, and that's all AFL, not water. So, could we, if we were allowed to replace the two rookies, would we, would we knock on Jared Redden's door and ask him to come back for a year? And would he come back? Uh, I don't back. think his body's good enough to put up with the rigors of AFL football. Yeah. Uh, so we go Balderstone. What about Giles? Uh, probably not. Giles is uh, West Coast, isn't he? Is he? Okay, I yep. thought they recruited Giles to... Oh, I must have read, misread that article. Sorry. Wasn't there something no, about s four players, AFL? New recruits? Uh, that might be Cameron Giles. Ah, the yeah, there we go. centre-half back. Ah, oh, that's no good then. What about Warnock? Look, we this guy's out there. Your man Warnock. Maybe we could have, have the, the super the team. <laughs> Lovey and Warnock. <laughs> Battle of the... <laughs> I could see who actually uh, who wins my debate of who's better. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, 
I guess we'll say uh, goodbye to you all. Uh, we'll be back good and proper in around about a month's time for the pre-season matches and uh, ready for a big season in podcast world. <laughs> all right, guys. All right. I won't delay anymore. Butcher! Butcher! Can't the pair. Can't port. Francis, it's deafening at Footy Park. It's like finals footy oh. at Tretre Marks at half board. He's lifted as well, Tretre. Five marks for him this afternoon to the goal square. Chad Corns is the man of the moment. Can't do it this time. Stewie Jew, right foot.